0: I want to say right now that this message is PG-13, and so you may want to take your kids, if they're in here, your little kids, to kids' church, to the kids' areas today. Or you may be prepared to answer some questions about some of the topics that we're going to to, to dive into today. And so that's what I would say. Next week, for some of you, it may be, you may feel that the material is PG-13 as well. Next week, I'm going to be talking about alcohol and what does the Bible say about it. Gambling, what does the Bible say about it. These are some of the questions you have. We had a lot of questions about what is acceptable in the marriage bedroom. I had a woman after church today say, I'm kind of waiting for you to talk about the Viagra stuff, Pastor, I want to know about Viagra, well, thank you, Jesus, I don't miss next week. <laughs> and uh, somebody else, some other folks want to know about aliens, so some of y'all got aliens attacking you, you want to know about aliens, and so we're going to be dealing with a lot and more stuff as well next week, so keep, keep texting in your questions. If you're new with us today, this is totally different than what we normally do. Uh, What we're doing throughout this series is we're answering your questions. You can text them in, text the word answers to 22333, and then text your question in. If it's asked enough times, we will tackle and answer your question. And here's how we're approaching this series. I want you to kind of know kind of the ground rules. I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. So if the Bible speaks specifically and clearly on a subject, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what I feel, doesn't matter what you feel, doesn't matter what you think or what I think. God, it's God's word. I believe it's God's word, and God's word has the final authority in our lives. If, I, if, if the Bible doesn't speak clearly on a subject or an issue then what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for principles that will apply because there are things that take place in the 21st century that weren't back there in, in, in Bible times when it was written. So, so like the Internet, it wasn't there, so the Bible doesn't talk about it. But oftentimes there's a principle that we can find in the Scripture that will shed light on us to, to answer a question as we find a principle from God's Word. If we can't find a principle, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my Holy Ghost-inspired senior pastor opinion on the issue all right so that's kind of the ground rules and if you disagree with me that's cool you can. I, I, I don't, it didn't matter to me if you disagree as long as we agree on the essentials. And the essentials are that Jesus is the Son of God. He was born through a virgin Mary. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. He died on the cross of Calvary for my sins and your sins. He got up on the third day, and the only way to heaven, the only way to be made right with God is through Jesus Christ. And as long as you agree with me on that, I'm cool. I mean, I'm cool. If you disagree with me on anything else and you have Bible to support it and back it up, Man, I am great with that. And matter of fact, not only that, but if we disagree with one another, or you disagree with your family member, neighbor, small group, you have to do it in love. Because if you don't do it in love, even if you find out that you're right and I'm wrong, you're still wrong. Because the Bible says that they'll know us because we love one another. So we can disagree as long as we do it in love. Let's look at some issues today. The first issue is suicide. Several of you ask, does a person automatically go to hell if they commit suicide? And nearly 1 million people will attempt suicide in America alone this year. Sadly, 1 in 15 will be successful. And I realize some of you today have family members and friends who have committed suicide. And so it's with great compassion that I answer this question. Some followers of Christ believe people who commit suicide are going to hell. And the scripture they would use is 1 Corinthians 3, 3, I mean, excuse me, 1 John 3 and verse 15. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. And they would say that suicide is a form of self murder. Now, there are other followers of Christ who believe. That, 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 that Christians who commit suicide will go to heaven and they will say things like, well, well blaspheming the Holy Spirit is the only sin that can't be forgiven and the scripture they would use is Matthew 12 and verse 31 therefore I say to you every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven men and of course suicide is not blaspheming the Holy Spirit those who would say that if you're a Christian and you commit suicide you will go to heaven they would also say something like this a famous person in the Bible Committed suicide and is still listed in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter number 11. Samson took his own life. He pushed down the temple on himself to kill a lot of the Philistines, but he also knew that he was going to kill himself. And even though he killed himself, he's still listed in the hall of faith. You say, Pastor, what do you think? Well, I believe the Bible teaches that what you do is not what makes you saved. And that's what I want us to look at for the next few moments. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, just as you have never sinned. How? Through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the way we have peace with God is through faith, through whom we have gained access by faith into his, into this grace in which we now stand. As a, as a Christian, you stand in God's grace. How? By faith. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The Bible says we are saved through faith in Christ. I do not believe that one act of sin makes you saved or unsaved. If that's the case, we're all in trouble. You're driving in your car, talking on your cell phone. Somebody asked you a question and you lie. Christians don't lie. And you lie and you suddenly swerve and you hit somebody and you die in a car wreck. My brothers, you're walking down the sidewalk, busy street. You see a pretty lady, you look, you know you shouldn't look again, but you do. You look and you stare, you stare so long, you swerve into the road and you get hit and you die. In the springtime in Oklahoma, when the storms are going, you're standing outside and you're gossiping. I know she did and he did and I know what I think and this is what they did and I know. And you get struck by lightning. And you die. You're going to heaven or hell. Well, no doubt, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And the only way that our sins are forgiven, that we receive this forgiveness and grace and mercy, is through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you and I are saved, not, not by what we did or didn't do, by faith through Jesus Christ. So a person who's a Christian that goes through a dark time, that goes through a dark moment, that, that loses their mind for a moment and they take their life, I believe suicide can and will be forgiven. And and I say that with fear because I do realize some of you ask that question because you're going through a dark season in your life and you're contemplating taking your own life. And I say this to you I would not risk taking your own life based on Herbert Cooper's opinion. I wouldn't risk not been able to spend eternity with God because of my perspective and take on what the Bible says. I believe that's what the Bible teaches, but I wouldn't risk it. And second of all, can I tell you, suicide is never the answer. Please hear me. It's never, ever the answer. I'm telling you, you're going to leave so much pain and heartache behind. Can I tell you, it's never the answer. all. do not take your life. Talk to somebody today. I talked to Pastor Shelby, our care pastor this week. I informed him what I was going to be teaching on this week, a question I was going to be responding to. Our prayer team is here and they're ready. You don't need to be ashamed. There will be people down here that are coming down for salvation and coming down for prayer and financial problems. They're going to be coming down for a lot of different prayers. So nobody's going to know why you're, coming but would you come we have some information our prayer team that wants to give you about suicide if you need counseling we are prepared we have partnered up with an organization that will counsel you if you can't afford it they'll, they'll do it for free we want to help you suicide is not the answer it never is that's my take on suicide the second question that I did not want to talk about but you asked it so many times I'm going to talk about it And that is, is masturbation a sin? And some of you hope that I answer no. (laughs) What does the Bible say about masturbation? Well, truthfully, it doesn't say anything about the subject. And since the Bible doesn't talk specifically about this topic, I'm going to give you principles From God's word that apply to this situation. I believe we will discover the answer to that question by looking at principles in the Bible. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter five and verse number three, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Everybody shout hint. I don't believe you can perform that act without a hint of sexual immorality. It goes on to say, or any kind of impurity, I do not believe you can perform that act without a hint of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And some would argue and say, well, pastor, I don't believe that the act itself is a sin. And even if you take that position, my pushback, my, my argument back to you is that everything that surrounds the act is a sin. This act is accomplished normally with pornography, lustful thoughts, fantasies. Can I tell you, you're not singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. You're not singing that when that act happens. And if you are singing that, we need to talk, you need to talk to Pastor Shelby. because. Because we got to get you to the counselor (laughs) quick. Um, I don't believe you can perform that act without a hint of immorality or impurity. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, run from sexual sin. I don't believe performing that act that you're running. Matter of fact, I think you're opening the door for the enemy to work. I think you're opening the door for a lot. A junk to happen in your life. Run from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And I believe you have a very difficult time honoring God with your body with this act. I want to give you three takeaways on the subject of masturbation. The first takeaway is this. Purity is won or lost in the mind. To one or lost in the mind. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 28, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, Jesus said that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart you see here's what we do we focus on the act committing adultery having sex outside of marriage we, we, we look at the way we, we masturbation but jesus said no 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 you're looking at the act but look what i look at is the heart and the fault it's not just the action that's a sin back up he jesus said the 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 the, the, the sin doesn't start with the action it starts with the faults and when you just look at a woman lustfully you're committing sin. It's not just the action, but it's the, it's the thoughts. Proverbs 6, verse 25 says, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. It's, it's, not, it's not just the action, but it's, it's the thoughts. You see, the battle is won or lost in your mind. And there are singles who will say, well, well, pastor, I'm single and and you know this is something I do so that I won 't do something worse with somebody else, and I would just say you're, you're missing, you're missing what Jesus is teaching. Jesus said, "The battles one to lost in your thoughts. Don't lust in your heart, not when you 're with the girl, don't lust in your heart, don't lust in your mind. He goes on to say in job chapter 31 and verse one, Job said, "I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully." At a girl. Why, why would Job say that? I'm making a covenant. I'm not going to look lustfully at a girl. I'm not going to be thinking wrong thoughts about a lady. Why did he say that? Because Job knew that it was deeper than just an action. He knew the battle was won or lost in the mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Every thought you have that doesn't glorify God, that doesn't lift up Jesus Christ, that doesn't honor God, we take it captive, every thought to make it obedient to Christ, to make sure it lines up with the word of God. The battle is won or lost in the mind. See, Pastor, how should, you, how should we think as a follower of Jesus Christ? Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about the right things because the battle is won or lost in the mind long before the action takes place. There's a second, there's a second takeaway, a second takeaway. Y'all quit clapping. The people masturbating, feel, they feel bad right now. Come on, stop that. Let me, let me teach the word, amen. Let the word do its work, Amen. Or it might be a cover. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like to have fun, don't I? Amen. The second thing is starve out lust. Starve out lust. Starve out lust. Here's a principle I've taught you before, but I want to revisit it because I think it's so important. Whatever you feed grows. Whatever you starve dies. And here's what people think. People think I have this desire. I got this feeling. I've got these emotions. I got these hormones. And man, I just gotta do. I mean, I just, I just gotta do that because all these feelings and emotions and things I got I me, mean, I just I gotta do that. And what they don't understand, they think they're fixing a problem, but actually they're creating a bigger problem, because what you feed grows. And when you feed lust, it doesn't, it doesn't solve a problem. It just, it just grows. The Bible says it like this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Notice this with a continual lust for more. You see, here's what it's teaching: if you feed lust, it doesn't fix the lust, it grows and it grows. And it grows, and people become addicted. And this happens a lot to singles. They they give into this and they feed lust and they justify so well, I'm single, I'd rather do that than somebody else. And, and then they get married. And they think once they get married, the lust problem will go away. And a lot of people take addiction and lust into their marriage. Can I tell you what happens? A lot of marriages suffer, are damaged and wounded, and some even end because lust is out of control because what you feed, it doesn't solve the problem. It grows and it grows and it grows. The Bible says in Colossians chapter three and verse five, put to death. Everybody shout, kill it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Kill it. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, put it to death. Impurity, put it to death. Lust, put it to death. Evil desires and greed, which is idolatry, put it to death. Why, pastor? What you feed grows. But if you begin to starve out lust, we want to help you to do it. We have purity groups. Uh, come, come see Shelby and our, our team. We're, we're prepared. We're ready. We've got people that have been in purity groups, that have been set free from pornography addiction. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to hold your head down and think, oh, I'm just we No, no. A lot of people in this place today are struggling with the same thing you're struggling with, and we want to help you starve it out, because what you begin to to starve, it dies. But if you secretly feed it, it, grows, and it grows. Put to death, the Bible says. There's a third. There's a third takeaway I want to give you, and that is this: you can live a life of purity. You can live a life of purity. Listen, it is possible. It's possible that you can live a life of purity. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, Pastor, everybody's doing it. No, they're not. What you're saying is everybody you know is doing it. But not everybody's not doing that. And I want you to know you can live free. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5 says it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. In other words, Jesus wouldn't tell us this if it wasn't possible. You can control your own body, it is possible. It is possible to live pure. Verse 5 says, not in, a, not in passionate lust like the heathen where you just give into to your lust and give into to sensuality and sexual desires. You say, I just can't help it. No, 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 you can't. you can't. With the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live a pure life. Everybody's not doing it. You can control your body with the help of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. Don't give the flesh an inch. Starve it out. Make I mean, guard your life. Come on, put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And I will tell you, put on the Lord Jesus. I mean, get in the Bible, stay in church, get in a small group, get, get, put, start putting different music in your mind. Come on, put on the Lord Jesus because you can walk in victory. And listen, if all of your friends are doing that, you probably got the wrong friends. And you might need some different friends because purity, please hear me. You may be struggling. You may be addicted today. But I want you to know purity is possible. Now, everybody clap. All right. Amen. Glory to Jesus. We talked about masturbation in church. Number three, can you lose your salvation? Can you lose your salvation? Let me start by saying, that there are very committed, sincere Christians on both sides of this issue. And what grieves me but more grieves the heart of God is that churches have argued, fussed, and fought, and even split over this issue. And it's really sad. Instead of responding in love and maturity, they argue, fuss, and fight. And we will be a church that responds in love no matter which side of the issue we stand on. I want to begin by asking this question. How many of you know somebody who used to live for Jesus, go to church, appear to have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ, and today they're no longer living for God? How many know somebody like that? Some of you know people, I mean, they're not, not only are they not living for God, some of you know people, they are just, I mean, they don't even want anything to do with God. I mean, they're just, I mean, they don't want anything to do with the whole God thing. And some people would say that that person is going to heaven no matter what. There are other people that would say that that person has lost their salvation. There are others that would say that that person was never saved at all. And I want us just to look at this for a few moments. The people who say that you can't lose your salvation, quote scriptures like John 10 and verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. sounds pretty convincing. Romans chapter 8 and verse 38 is another scripture. People who believe you can't lose your salvation would, quote, For I am convinced that neither life nor de- death, death, death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Another scripture they would quote is Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal. Your seal, there's a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Now, people who believe you can lose their salvation, quote scriptures like Luke chapter 8 and verse 13. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. They would also quote Second Peter chapter two and verse twenty through twenty-one. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome. They are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn and to and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Let me share one more scripture. Of those who would say, you can lose your salvation. They would use Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance, because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace." You say, well, pastor, what do you believe? Because there are convincing arguments on both sides. Well, I believe part of a pastor's calling, including my calling, is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And if you're here today and you're comfortable in your faith, you will be afflicted. And if you're here today and you're afflicted by your faith in Christ, you will be comforted. If you're here today and you live in constant fear that you're not good enough to go to heaven. If you're here today and you constantly question if you're saved. Matter of fact, every week you raise your hand when I give the altar call. Pastor, that's me. I want to know Jesus again. If that's you, if that's you, you know, you're here and you always wonder if you lost your salvation because you messed up. You sinned yesterday. And so you, are you, are you going to be saved still? And you, you constantly live with that kind of fear. Let God's word comfort you. Romans chapter 10, verse 12 through 13 says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be Saved, Red, yellow, black, or white, murderer, liar, cheater, adulterer, full of pride, full of jealousy, a drug or alcohol addict. The Bible says you will be saved. One sin is not greater than another. When you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Let God's word comfort you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself." it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast how are you saved by grace through faith and not by works how will you stay saved by grace through faith not by works and some of you here grew up in a church that was works oriented and you live with constant fear actually I've heard preachers preach like this and I've experienced this and had fears myself. And I've heard preachers preach things like this. If you woke up today and this morning the first thought wasn't about Jesus, you're going to hell. If you got out of bed today and when your feet hit the floor, if you didn't raise your hand and say hallelujah, you're going to hell. I'm telling you, when I first get out to bed, I'm th- I got to go pee. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about. I mean, I got to, I got to go to the bathroom, brother. I mean, that, I mean, that's what I'm thinking about. I got to go. I've heard, I've heard I've heard preacher preach stuff like this. If 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 you don't come to church on Sunday morning, if you miss a Sunday, you're going to hell. If you don't come to Sunday night. Church, I don't care if it's the Super Bowl, you gonna go. You better be at the Super Bowl church service. You're gonna go there. We're having revival services every night for the next two weeks. If you miss one revival service, I don't know if you really love the Lord and you might be going to hell. Hell is hot. Now, listen, I didn't think anybody was going to heaven. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, is anybody going to heaven? <laughs> and I've heard that. I've heard that kind of preaching. And today, If you are afflicted in your faith, I want you to know it's by grace that you're saved, through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works. Be free. Be free from religion. Be free from tradition. Be free from condemnation. It's not what you do or don't do that makes you saved. It's through grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works that no man can boast. Now, now, if you're comfortable in your faith, today God's word will afflict you. Because some of you think because you prayed a prayer, checked a box, walked an aisle, come to church, that you can leave, put your faith to the side, and live however you want to live. And that's just not the case. The Bible says, Hebrews 10, verse 26 through 27, If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the truth, received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. If you're comfortable today, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. The Bible says this, when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, there will be a change. The Bible calls it a new creation. Here's my question to you. Is there a change in your life? When you gave your life to Jesus a year ago, five years ago, 10 years, to, 10 years ago, has there been a change in your life? Are you just living the same life? Are you living the same life that you were living before you said you became a Christian? Because if you're living the same life you you were before you became a Christian, I just... The Bible says, "When you're born of God, you will not continue to sin." That doesn't mean we wake and make, won't make a mistake. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We all fall short. But our life is being changed. The direction, the content of our life is after Jesus, and, and we are becoming a new creation. We are being more like Jesus Christ. Our minds are being renewed. Listen, we don't we don't work to get saved, but we do work because we are saved, and we become more like Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Matthew chapter seven and verse twenty one. 23 not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles and come to people's church and raise our hands and sing the song and come down and talk to the prayer team and give some money in the offering plate then I will plainly tell them I never knew you Away from me, you evildoers. Here's my concern. Here's my concern. That in the Bible, Belt, people, almost everybody believes they're a Christian. Mom and daddy went to church, so I'm a Christian. Grandpa and them went to church, so I'm a Christian. I go sometimes, I, I know the Lord, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I go to that people's church sometimes, I'm, I'm a Christian. I raised my hand one time. I checked the box one time. And my question to you is, Have you been what the Bible calls born again? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Because I didn't say this. Jesus said, there will be people on that day that will say, Lord, Lord, look at all I did in your name. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. You didn't give me your life. You didn't place your faith and trust in what I did for you on the cross. You thought checking that box made you okay. You thought praying a little cute prayer made you okay, but you never gave me your life. And my fear is there are people that go to church consistently and have never been born again.